I love the phrase there in that course that we just sang together. Uh, Jesus, you are my hope and stay. And I just turn the lights up just a little bit. I want to be able to see people's faces uh, this morning as we really kind of delve into um, what could be some kind of some sticky topics. Jesus, you are my hope and stay. And I think it's great for us um, to to be reminded of that, you know, in the midst of life. In the midst of what we're going through, in the midst of the things that we wrestle with, you know, in the spiritual realm as, as well in the physical realm, that Jesus Christ is our hope and stay. And as I was, you know, singing along with you and you sounded beautiful as I was listening to your voices, being reminded together with you that Jesus Christ is our hope and stay. And I, I don't know about you, but, you know, I come to church because I want to re- be reminded of, of truth, of, of the presence of God in my life and, and that God is our hope, that Jesus is our hope and stay. And, and so whatever it is that the Lord speaks to you about this morning, and, and I really come this morning with some anticipation and I have some excitement, some, exi- some anxiety probably, because I believe that God is wanting to stir our hearts and wanting to speak to, to somebody this morning. And maybe it's just myself that God is going to speak to. But, um, of course, we're, we're talking about some taboo, you know, topics. And, uh, again, they can be kind of sticky when we, we wade through, you know, everything that the Scripture has to say. And this morning, for this message, I mean, for this topic, there are three different areas I want to kind of briefly, you know, touch on. And then I want to get to... Uh, you know, what the Bible says, what is the scripture telling us in regards to this, this uh, very important issue. And <clears throat> when I mention it, when I mention these three topics, excuse me, <clears throat> I know, you know, you might think, well, that's for somebody else or that's for young people or, you know, this this conversation is for people that are married. And, and so I want to clarify a little bit, kind of like this paragraph does. I came across this paragraph in an article, and this really helps with, you know, clarification. So I want to read it for you. Once there were four managers, their names were somebody, everybody, anybody, and nobody. They were very busy people, but whenever there was an important job to be done, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. When nobody did it, everybody got angry because it was some it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that somebody would do it, but anybody realized that nobody would do it. So consequently, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. (laughs) Did that clarify things for you just a little bit? All right. So, so the three areas, and the truth is, whether you're single or whether you're a dating couple or whether you're married or whether young or old, I think hearing, hearing biblical, uh, biblical perspective on sex is always good. This presents not only a challenge to share and address a very sticky topic with compassion, but how do we have an honest conversation about what could be very difficult and personal with a sense of love and understanding. And so if you're taking notes, the three areas that I want to kind of briefly cover are lust, purity, and infidelity. You can write that down, lust, purity, and infidelity. And, of course, when we talk about lust, we're talking about when we use our eyes and we look uh, upon another, as we read in Scripture, when we look upon another with, with desire. And this really folds in and deals with, you know, something that is happening in our society today. In fact, some would say it's happening on epidemic proportions. 
we're, we're wrestling with, you know, this dynamic and how to, you know, deal with it and how are we going to address this and how are we going to walk with our young people and our children, you know, through this, this dynamic and this very real temptation. And the temptation that we're talking about is that of pornography. Again, it's a very sticky and touchy subject, but I, I think what better place for us to address this than from the pulpit and from the word of God. In fact, I, I began to do some research and I, I learned, I verified the statistics and, and experts and therapists say, now this, I'm, folks, I'm telling you, this just kind of rocked my world. Experts say that 70%, I'm not saying 17, I'm saying 70, 70% of 18 to 34 year olds are looking at pornography on somewhat a, an, on a, a regular basis. And here's what really, really got me is that the average age that they begin looking at pornography is the age of 11. At 11 years of age, this this habit begins. And and in fact, part of it's Generation Z and it's not against the generation. It's a cultural thing because they are the Internet generation. And and they are, in fact, the largest human representation or human group, really 76 million in, in, in America they are this large, you know, uh, this large group of, of, of young uh, adults and, and, and children that, that have been born into this Internet culture that really has put porn in their pocket because of the smartphone. And so it is a serious conversation, a conversation that we have to have, and it leads us into the, the, the idea of purity. That's the second, you know, uh, subject or, or topic, purity. And, and, and we're talking about premarital, you know, conditions and making that commitment to be moral and to abstain from, from, you know, sexual activity before you get married. But here is my proposal in regards to being moral, and even though it may not be popular in, in our culture today. But my, my proposal is... In regards to Christian character, if we will cross the line before we get married, and maybe this might be more appropriate for our our group that comes in at 11 o'clock, but if you're willing to cross a moral line before you get married, what is going to stop you from crossing that moral line after you get married? Because it is a issue of our, our character. The Apostle Paul writes in so many words, quote, there is a sense on which sexual sins are different from all others. In sexual sins, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies, bodies that were made for God given and God modeled love for becoming one where the two become one together. And then again. Paraphrasing, didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, that your body is the temple of God in which the spirit of God lives within? And then we have to address infidelity or extramarital affair, which is, of course, adultery. And, and, and then we look at Matthew chapter five, verse 27 and 28. If you have God's word, let's go there this morning. That's our text today. We go to Matthew chapter five, looking at verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Father in heaven, that you... You, you are here. You're present, Father. I believe that and that your spirit is, is stirring our hearts and, and that, Lord, that you're challenging our, mi- our minds today. And so, Father, I pray that in everything that is said and done this morning, that you'll be glorified and that you'll be lifted up. Father in heaven, I, I know, Lord, that you do not forsake us. I, I know, God, 
Lord, by experience and fact that that, Lord, that you do not leave us where we are at. But, Lord, that you come in and you lift us and you love us. And I pray that, Father in heaven, for that one this morning, that one young man or that young lady or that married couple or whatever that is going on, that, Father in heaven, that you will be present in those lives. And that, Lord, you will be glorified in, in everything that is said this morning, everything that is done. So, Father, we just commit this time to you and we commit this word to you. We give you the you, we commit this reading to you, Father. We pray and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Amen. Now, this is obviously looking at Matthew chapter five, verse 27, 28. This is from a passage known as the Sermon on the Mount. And this text follows Jesus sermonizing about about the commandment that thou shalt not murder. And so there is this idea that that we are not to we are not to murder. We're not to show this this kind of disrespect for another. In fact, it's the antithesis of of what it means to really love, because real love. I mean, the greatest of all love is that we lay down our life for another. And the very antithesis or the very opposite of laying down our life for another is that 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 we we take life. And it's very interesting in regards to that, that then after he talks about thou shalt not murder, he then turns immediately to the commandment that thou shalt not commit adultery. Because he's talking about something that that deals with a simple dynamic that really we find throughout all of the Sermon on the Mount. And from the beginning of the sermon to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is trying to say, OK, here is how you live this this Christian life. Here is how you live a godly life. And he's wrestling with this one thing that that really is the challenge that we have to rise up to this morning, even when it comes to our sexuality. In fact, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, we read, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And then as we remember that and we study a little bit more in the Sermon on the Mount, it takes us through the whole process of establishing this one foundational Christian characteristic that I kind of alluded to in, in the beginning of the message. And this should not be a shock. This should not be a surprise to us, but is the very basis for living a godly Christian life and the very basis and the very line or thread that is flowing throughout all of the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what that is. You want to know what it is that Jesus wants us to know. Here it is. He wants us to have respect for one another. He wants us to have respect for others. I mean, this is how we are to be the salt and the light after all. As Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 refers to that, that we might respect others. And then Matthew chapter 5.23, we read, you're about to offer a gift to the Lord at the altar. And of course, you know, the instruction is before we offer, you know, offer a gift at the altar to the Lord and we give this to the Lord or we, we offer something to God and we have a problem or there is something that is not right in our relationship with a brother or sister What are we to do? We're to go to the brother and the sister and we're to make that relationship right. And again, we're talking about, you know, showing respect for others. We're talking about having right relationship in the midst and in the context of our sexuality and having right relationship, not only with the father, but having right relationship with each other. And maybe there's something out there. There's some kind of relationship that is happening that we need to go and we need to make something right because something is horribly wrong. 
And we need to make this thing right. Have you ever thought of the fact that maybe the relationship that this, this, this text is referring to is maybe the relationship that you have with yourself? And before you can make that relationship right, there's this relationship in yourself and, and this thing that's a part of your life that you know that is, that is causing some problems. And it's possible that God is saying, make this right, this relationship with yourself right. And then you begin to, you know, come back to the Lord. You come to the altar and you begin to offer this gift to the Lord as he, he has called you to. And of course, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, let's go to, back to the Sermon. The Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's about oaths and simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. In other words, I mean, how can we know, you know, what really the result is going to be? Because you see, God is sovereign and God is in control every, of everything. But yet there is still also this idea that we are to have respect for others. And in fact, we, we see that <clears throat> when he says, if anyone slaps you, you know, on the cheek... If anyone slaps you on the cheek, then what do you do? You turn to them your other cheek. And all this builds the pinnacle that that is an antithesis to our carnal nature, because the carnal nature is is maybe it's anger or maybe it's it's striking out or hurting someone else or it's about self. But the pinnacle that we're standing on that Jesus is building is that we are to show respect and that we are loving our enemies and we are loving our neighbor. We. We then hear Jesus addressing the commandments in the sermon and, and then he does it in a way that, that, that reveals to us that, that the spirituality of respect is informing our sexuality. I mean, if there, if there was something to dwell on, this would be a thought to dwell on this morning, that the spirituality of respect is informing our sexuality. It informs then our, our self-respect. You see, the problem with sexual sin is that sexual sin it erodes away our self-respect. And as it is eroding away our self-respect, it begins to erode away the respect that we have for others. And there's a cycle that begins to happen because of this physical sin or this sexual sin that has got us misaligned and out of alignment from our Father in heaven and out of alignment with ourself. I see this. This is exactly what what King David forgets in in second Samuel chapter 11, beginning there in verse one down through a few verses there. You remember the scenario when 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 David got himself in really a difficult situation. In fact, we read there in second Samuel chapter 11, verse one, we read in the spring at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. I remember a verse there in Proverbs, Alita, that that is something about idolatry is the devil's playground. And so King David was staying home when his, his soldiers were out fighting battles and, and the work was being done. And here was David. He had all this idle time on his hands and there on the roof of the palace. And he's looking around and he spies this woman that is beautiful and he sins for her and she comes back to him. And what happens is he commits adultery. We know this. We know the story. Well, he commits adultery and she becomes pregnant. That leads to something else and something else. And pretty soon he sends, you know, uh, Uriah. Her husband to the front of the battle and and what happens is, you know, he dies, he's killed. So basically David commits murder. And so what happens is because of of this sexual sin, there is this cobweb of issues that develop in King David's life. 
And in those cobweb, cobweb of issues, and David finds himself in a very difficult situation. In fact, I, I think of James chapter 1, looking at verse 14 and 15. We're reminded, and I'm thinking about King David as I refer to this verse, but each one is tempted by when by his own evil desires. That he, we're tempted when by our own evil desires, and I'm thinking about King David and how he had all this idleness, all this time on his hand, and by his own evil desire, he is lured away. He is enticed, and then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Again, James 1, 14 and 15. So the concept here, it begins with desire, and desire, when it is left unchecked, you see, that, that begins to be the rub when it is desire that is left unchecked. And, and so what happens is we allow it to just continue this desire and we do not replace it or we do not remove ourselves from it or we do not change the relationship that is a little offline and not according to God's will. And this desire is just allowed to run rampant in our life. And then the scripture reminds us that desire, then when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin and then the breakdown begins to happen. When the breakdown is a loss of self-respect and decisions that result in behaviors that, that, that are out of God's will or not aligned with God's will. And, and, and this breakdown is a result of, then the result of, of, of having no self-respect and no respect for others. Again, I know this is a, a little bit sticky, but man, it's an issue. And it is rampant and it is epidemic in our society today. I, I read in a, a particular article, Susan Fisk, a professor of psychology at Princeton University, used MRI scans to analyze men watching pornography. After, afterwards, it shows that brain activity revealed that, that when they looked at these pictures of women, the, the brain activity showed that they were looking at them more as objects rather than people. I mean, this is science. This is literal science. That as they are looking at these pictures, they're looking at them more as objects than, than, than anything else. And, and, and pornography is not only addictive, it's incredibly degrading to women and other human beings are being treated in a way that is contemptible to our Heavenly Father. And folks, it breaks our Father's hearts. It breaks his heart and then, of course, then there is this purity and purity, by the way, listen to me, young men, purity begins in the heart. It's in the heart where the work must be done. It's in our heart that Jesus is working and he's moving in us and he's changing us and he's transforming us. And, and this is what Jesus refers to in Matthew five twenty-eight when he says, don't even look upon a woman with those kinds of eyes. The danger is that when we immerse ourselves in an immoral approach, as our society would have us do, be it premarital sexual activity or regular exposure to what used to not be okay, this eventually has an effect. And the effect in, in embracing the sin of the body, listen to this, the effect of embracing the sin of the body eventually deadens one spiritually. And I pause there because I don't know if there's any more that could be said. Because if we engage in the sin of the body or the sin of the flesh, it eventually deadens one spiritually. 
And I, I, I don't know what maybe the Lord is trying to say to your heart this morning. And maybe you can even trace back this path or this, this track that maybe you, you've been going down and you realize that there's some, there's some issues here and, and that maybe, you know, you're, you're longing for a time in your life when you were spiritually alive and the Holy Spirit is maybe speaking to you right now in regards to maybe a particular issue. I mean, I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is trying to say, but you see, sins of the flesh will eventually deaden us spiritually. Now, a word about fidelity in marriage. I love how Dr. Dan Boone, who is the president of Trevecca Nazarene University, one of our universities back east, he, he, he writes in his book, Human Sexuality, these words in regards to, to marriage. He writes, and I, I want to read the quote for you. He writes, the world longs for better portraits of a Christian marriage. But too often we find the world's pattern of lust practiced in marriage. Sadly, the same church that condemns premarital, extramarital, and same-sex lusting says little about selfish marital lust. Marriage does not legalize lust for Christians. Man, if there is a phrase to write down, this is the phrase to write down and share. Marriage does not legalize lust for Christians. We are called to love our spouses sexually in a way that causes them to feel treasured, and dignified rather than used or objectified. And sometimes, even within the confines of marriage, we find ourselves behaving in such a way, husbands, that is not making our wife feel like the special person that they are, the queen that they they are to you. And maybe it's possible that the Holy Spirit is stirring your heart and working in your heart this morning to readjust the way that you're thinking even about your wife. Even about your wife. I hesitate whether to share this or not. But there was a time when I had to apologize to my wife. You develop habits when you're single (laughs) with your eyes. You shouldn't be doing that when you're single anyhow, but you then carry that into marriage. And I realized that even while my wife was with me, I was noticing, you know, beauty, how we say that. And I realized that that does not honor the beautiful wife that my father in heaven gave me. And the Lord convicted me of that, guys. And and I, I hope Heidi would testify in agreement to it. But that the fact that the Lord... Changed my heart so that when I am with my, well, when I'm with her or not with her, that I change my pattern of how I use my eyes. I mean, I can get more specific, but the fact is, I'm a pastor, but yet I'm still a man. And I'm telling you, I need to sanctify my eyes. I need to sanctify my heart. I need to sanctify my intentions. Because I'm human. And I don't know what the Lord is stirring in your heart, men and ladies. But I believe that God wants to do something this morning. He wants to do something in your heart. I I want to have a a few of you guys. Some of you guys jump up and help me. I want to hand uh, 
give a handout this morning. Um, thank you so much. Let's just make sure that uh, we get some to everybody. I want to invite you to take this this handout this morning and uh, just give me a few moments, worship team, just a few moments here. I want to invite you to take this handout and just just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. In fact, there's two things I want to ask of you this morning, congregation. There's two things I want to ask of you. I want to invite you and ask you to, to look at this, this, this chart and prayerfully allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and be honest with God. I'm not talking about with me, but to be honest with the Lord and, and just allow God to just work in your heart this morning as you look at the comparison between thinking or having a mindset of lust versus a mindset of love, of Christian love. And that's the mindset that we need even with our spouses. We need to have we need to have Christian love for our spouses as well. So that's the first thing I want to ask of you is that you will prayerfully allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you as you look at this this uh, these two lists. The difference between the emotions, the attitude of showing, you know, real love towards somebody versus lust. The second thing, would you do me a favor and would you pray for our, our next service? Would you pray for our service at 11 o'clock as you go to your Sunday school classes? Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to our young people and to their hearts? And, and I, I don't know what the Lord is going to do, but I know that, that these are issues that are right there on the forefront. And that God wants to speak and, and work through, I believe, his word this morning. So I want to selfishly ask you to pray for our service at 11 o'clock and that God will speak to our, the hearts and the minds of our young people and our, our youth and our teenagers. And so I believe God wants to say something. With that said, I want to invite us just to bow our heads for just a moment. Worship team, you guys could come. And, and if there are any extras, bring the extras back up to me after the service, guys. But let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want to invite us to pray this morning. Precious Father in heaven, Lord, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we just come and we just submit ourselves to you today. We thank you, Father in heaven, for, Lord, just speaking to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, that you are, are stirring us and that you're moving in us in a way that maybe you haven't stirred us and moved us in a long, long time. And so, Father, I, I pray that you would just put your arms around that person, that one individual right now that is just, you know, they're just listening to your voice and they want to respond to you. But, Father in heaven, I pray for that one that, that Lord, that you've spoke loudly, loud and clear to. And that, Lord, that you're calling them to a life of, of purity. You're calling them to a life of glorifying you, whether it's within the confines of marriage or outside of marriage, or maybe it's a single individual, Lord, that's here this morning. I, I ask, Father, that you would just bring your work to completion in their heart, and that, Father in heaven, that you would just remind them that, that you, they, that each one of us are the holy temple of God. The God that you dwell, desire to dwell in each one of us, to live in us. And so, Lord Jesus, we just humbly come. We offer ourselves as a living vessel to you so that you might pour your spirit in us and that you might be glorified as we honor you, Father, with our bodies, 
We honor you, Father, with the way that we live and the decisions that we make. And and maybe it's even just where we are casting our eyes, where we're looking, how we're looking. I pray for that one individual. I pray for that that person right now that is just saying, Father in heaven, I'm asking simply that you would help me today. I'm asking God that you would just take this confession. And maybe it is a confession of sin that we're engaging in sin and we're saying, Jesus, we're saying, God, I need your help. And I'm confessing this to you right now. Pray that way. If the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and God is working in your heart and you've been wrestling with something and struggling with something, I want to invite you to say, Lord, I'm going to just present it to you right now, Lord. You know what the sin is. You know what I'm, I'm struggling with, Lord. Oh, Lord, you know that I need to surrender this to you right now. And so, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you. Husbands, it might be just how we're looking, how we're the glances that we have that we, we make with our eyes. And you're saying, I want to glorify you, Father. I want to honor you, God. Husbands, maybe you're praying that way to honor the Lord this morning, to be obedient to him. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking. Thank you, God, for, Lord, just moving us deeply today in this confession that we're making right now to you, Father. We trust you with it. In fact, with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And you're saying, Lord, help me with this. Nobody, nobody standing out, nobody standing up, just privately between you and the Lord. You're praying that way. Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm surrendering this to you. I want to just hold you in my heart just privately. And I just give you a chance to make eye contact with me. Would you do that? And I'm going to be praying for you. Just eye contact. And I'll be praying for you this week. God bless you. Just eye contact. Lord, help me with this. Lord, I want to be obedient in this area. Lord, I want to be pure. I do want to live a holy life. So, Lord, I give you this. I give this to you right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Just eye contact. Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to surrender this to you. I need help with this, God, right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for being faithful. Thank you, God, for, Lord, helping me. Helping me, Lord, be all that you've called me to be. Thank you, God, for helping me treat my wife with honor and with dignity. Thank you, God, for helping me keep my eyes holy and pure. That I might honor you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this. Thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer. Thank you, God, for stirring our hearts, reminding us, Lord, of your truth. And so, Father, today... Lord, we surrender to you. And maybe in somebody's heart right now. Lord, you've, you've brought this work to completion in them. And you've, you've reminded them that you call, call us to holiness. And so, Father, I pray that you would just touch that one. Just bless that individual right now. that is saying, Lord, I surrender to you. We worship you, Father. We honor you. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's stand and let's listen as we sing this chorus together. And just uh, the Holy Spirit moves you. You need to surrender something to the Lord. I want to invite you to do that. Just come. Surrender to the Lord. It's okay. What's that mean? Well, you can come and talk to me after the service. I'd be happy to talk with you and counsel with you, pray with you. Cry with you if necessary. Or maybe 
you're familiar with the altar and you want to come and pray at the altar, I invite you to do that. But let's surrender. Amen. And let's just give it to the Lord as we seek him this morning.